which is why I wrote the blog. It, uh, it, it was, you know, to the, to the extent that the one partner will suffer financially and the other partner will have more than enough, um, even in the current situation. And I, I just don't see how that's love. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, how, can, how, how can that be love? You know, that, that is extremely selfish. Welcome to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, where we discuss all things money because whether or not we like it, money matters. I'm your host, Maya Fisher-French, and today we're going to be talking about a very sensitive topic, and this is about financial abuse and how money is often used to control people in relationships. I was reading a blog by financial planner and founder of Foundation Family Wealth, Sunil Feldman, where she wrote, the definition of financial abuse includes controlling how all the money is spent, not allowing the victim access to bank accounts, withholding money, giving an allowance, or not including the victim in banking or investment decisions. And in the blog, Sunil says, yes, this may sound, the word abuse may sound harsh, But actually, money in these relationships is typically used to control a partner to the extent that it is detrimental to them. It is not used to convey love. Now, I know so many people in these situations. So I've invited Sunel onto today's podcast to discuss this issue. So welcome, Sunel. Thanks very much, Maya, for having me. Great to be talking to you. You know, in the and, and thank you for the blog, which really uh, stimulated this conversation for me. It was just like it just resonated. I thought, gosh, I know so many, and and it, it typically it tends to be women um, who are the victims. I mean, I suppose it's not always the case, but it tends to be. And in the blog, you know, you wrote about how money conveys emotions. So I mean, this is tends money tends to be about relationships, isn't it? Um, and how money it's about give the giving of it and the withholding of it, and what that actually is telling the other person about emotions so maybe just expand a little bit on that yeah I, I mean what what we do with our money um is what is i think is key in, in relationships because it's one of the most tangible things that we have in a relationship to say and to convey what we feel towards the other person and what we feel about ourselves too so we convey to that other person through our actions, and it's so concrete when it comes to money in terms of how we're sharing our money with the other person, how we're sharing information about money with the other person, and um, how we decide you know, what the money is spent on as a couple and once we're sharing in that relationship. So it's one of the most concrete ways that we can actually convey love and affection to that other person. Um, It's it's very complicated. I mean, it is when you get married or you're involved in a relationship, you know, money underpins all of that. And I think that's why we we know that one of the number one reasons for divorce is is finances and money. And that's because it's not about money. It's about the emotions, isn't it? That's it. Like you're you're treating somebody like that. Actually, you're telling them whether or not you love them. Yeah. But this is the interesting thing that I find um, my, in modern marriages. And, and you know, in, in our parents' generation, it, it, it was so much, there was a pattern of the way things worked. Um, 
in terms of most in most cases uh, the, you know the husband was the breadwinner and the and the wife um, stayed at home and if she had a job it was kind of on the side but she was more at home and she looked after the children so there was there wasn't so much a need for a negotiated settlement between the husband or the wife or the couple um whereas nowadays there isn't a prescribed pattern so we arrive in a relationship and you know and all of these things have to be negotiated you know who who pays for what you know how do we save who saves for what um who gives up time and um gives up gives up some of their career for help helping out with the children or even running the household if one partner is um traveling a lot you know who's the one who's staying at home most of the time so everything needs to be negotiated and it's um very it's a, it's it's very very different and i just find that actually a lot isn't negotiated <laughs> a lot is kind of unsaid and 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 it just happens and then that's the, the pattern that people fall into so um so it isn't discussed what 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 happens with the money and i think people find it really hard to have those discussions you know i see i do this money makeover every year and one of the things that i've noticed is that in in a traditional marriage the couple is still married generally the man is paying off the assets i find that quite interesting so he's paying off the house and the cars and he may do the insurance she tends to pay for the day-to-day -day running of the house the school fees and maybe but the extra murals the food the groceries clothes for the kids and over time what is happening is that she's taking on a bigger and bigger burden as the cost of living goes up but asset finance tends to be quite static okay it's it's linked to an interest rate and she's now putting things on her credit card and struggling financially where he's actually great and he's investing and he's building his asset base do you do you, do you come across that do you think it's, that would be that is quite a common problem when that when it isn't discussed yeah yes i do i do come across it and it sometimes is the other way around it depends who you know is the major earner in the in the um in the relationship so i have seen it the other way around but um it is unfortunately still mostly the case and and then also it's a case about um what is valued in the relationship so what is the what are the values that the separate values of of the two people the two individuals in the relationship so she may value a beautiful house and um value education for the for the children he may not value that so he's valuing future security or you know whatever he might want to spend money on toys or you know the kinds of things um if we can be you know if we if we can go back to the kind of traditional um views of things so so then you do find that there is one partner who may actually be um building up more of an asset base either because they earn most of the income and the way that the the budget is negotiated isn't really fair to the other party in terms of what 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 um his or her future um future needs are. Mm -hmm. so so there's one part partner that focuses on the the current needs the education of the children the clothes you know the the children's school clothes or things like that um 
and and the other partner can focus on his or her future needs and that becomes very very unfair in the future but i mean my you know we all we have to take this back to the marital contract because in fact is if you if you were like most people are married uh, according to the uh, you know an anc with accrual it means it actually means that they can be negotiating or not negotiating whatever they want. At the end of the day, the contract determines when they get divorced or when the marriage ends. The contract determines, right, how it, it's how it should be split and how it sh it should have been dealt with all along. And and so the contract says whatever is earned in the marriage, other than inheritance, is and saved in the marriage, other than inheritance, is split in half. So. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so it kind of, you know, it comes back to, you know, people see it as, okay, this is my money and your money, or maybe that person has all the money and I don't have anything. I don't have access to that money and it's not mine because I haven't earned it. I don't have access to it and it's not mine. Um, but it's actually not true. So, so, I mean, if you look at the marital contracts, it doesn't matter how we look at it. Um, the contract is actually what determines what is the truth. But I know, Sunal, you'll, you'll agree with me on this one. One of the problems, though, is that in in that, just in the split of the assets and who's saving and who's looking after today's needs also tends to be the income. So um, often women will take less of the career path because someone needs to be looking after the family and raising the children. So on that divorce, yes, the assets are split evenly, but the income is nowhere near equal, right? So she can't ever really catch up and earn the income that he's been earning and will continue to earn. So there is a disparity there. Um, and if she's not perhaps considering all of those, you know, that, that's also part of, of, of the ongoing challenge, I think. There's always, within a marriage, somebody sacrificing something. Yeah, well, this is, it comes, comes back to that you actually need to understand what will happen to you when the marriage ends. Um, and, and when that marriage ends in divorce, um, and you've given up your career, you've given up your source of income, and your, in other words, and also your future source of income as a, as the one who looked after the children or the one who gave, you know, sacrificed your career. Then, <laughs> the way that South African the, the courts look at you as a, as a, especially if you're well educated, uh, and you have. Uh, maybe a professional designation and so on. It's a tough luck, you know, you'll have a few months to get back on your feet. Mm. And if you if you haven't looked after yourself and they and and you and they aren't assets to split or they or you don't know where the assets are that that has you know that have been accumulated in the marriage, well tough luck for you. That's that's how the courts look at you. Um, mm. So it's, uh, it's uh, the more educated you are and the more, you know, the, the more chances you have had to build up your own asset base, um, the more kind of unfair it becomes to you. And that's where it comes back, you know, when we're bringing it back to the abuse. That's actually when it comes back to the abuse that it really is, um, is concerning because when people feel that they don't have access to that, um, to the bank accounts, or they don't have access to the information, free access to the information, then, then you know, that is a form of financial abuse. You know, and I come across a many women who say to me, yes, but whenever I ask my husband these questions, he doesn't want to talk about it. So I want to also talk a little bit about what is 
a healthy financial relationship? Because I think for a lot of people, they don't actually know what that is. They may just feel, well, he earns the money or she earns the money. I don't have a right to ask. And, and you know, so now I was, I was thinking about a couple of years ago, um, I was watching an Oprah Winfrey and there was Dr. Phil. You know, people would come on with their marriage issues and discuss with Dr. Phil. And this couple had an arrangement. Well, he had an arrangement. He didn't want his wife to work. He wanted her to stay at home. And the arrangement, financial arrangement was based, she got paid for blowjobs. That's how it worked. And, and he did not understand why this was a problem. He said, well, I'm getting what I want. She gets money to spend what she wants. This is it. And he honestly needed, and I don't think even Dr. Phil got through to him. So how do you know and explain like, what is fundamentally, how do you know if you are in a healthy relationship or not? Yeah. yeah okay. That's, that's obviously extreme. And I must say, I haven't, I haven't yet come across that. I don't know that anyone would admit that to a financial planner, but yeah. Um, but you know, this is it's it's really sad. You know, we just focus on what does happen. A while ago, when when I actually wrote that blog, one of my clients who I've known for many many years wrote back to me, and she and she said to me, she's an elderly lady. She said to me, "You you knew my husband," um, and she says, "When I look at." what you've written here is I recognize that I was in a financially abusive relationship and and no one would have said that from the from the outside one of the, the one of the biggest issues that I have is with secrecy is when when you you don't actually know what's going on um and you actually have a right to know because you were you know you were married with a with a contract that actually States that that the asset should be shared and the knowledge of the asset actually should be shared. Um, but it's it's not you know I, I do find it is that it's very very common that marital partners is, even if they were married with a contract with a um, the accrual or they actually even married in community of property that they don't know. <laughs> For me that's a basic. You must know if though you know if you are if you are dependent on the future of that income stream and the future of those assets, um, it shouldn't be a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, then if, if you can't talk openly about it, then, um, then there's an issue with the marriage for me because that, that's not a healthy marital relationship. And that brings us to what is healthy, what, 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 what is good um, in, in terms of money, and it's one of the reasons why we like to work with couples and and for both of them to be at the table where um, in fact you know we don't really we don't really work um, with just one partner if it's if the money is for the family we want a couple at the table because it's so important that both realize what's going on in the balance sheet and what the planning is, and that both are there um, together, doing the planning and uh, and aware of the of the future. But you know, so we, we, don't we yeah, two directions, you know. But I think that's the key. It's it's sharing a goal, and I I also see abuse 
to me going the other way in the sense that um, I've seen women put pressure on their husbands. Like, well, I want this lifestyle and I expect this lifestyle. And that can put amazing, huge pressure on on, on a husband. Um, and especially why my friends have this and you need to give me that. So, I mean, it can go both ways. And that is also not a loving relationship. And it's also, I think, not understanding you know the reality of 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 incomes of expenses um so it it is uh, yeah it it those conversations can get very very fraught i absolutely agree with you in this maya is that the you know there is still kind of this um cinderella complex and we we've, we've often spoken about it but that that i deserve a certain lifestyle and that no, my partner needs to give me that lifestyle. And frequently that's the wife looking towards the husband, the breadwinner to provide that lifestyle. And that leads to a whole set of um, of behaviors of, you know, I, I just expect this income stream coming to me and, you know, these privileges coming to me. And it can lead to, so much pressure being put on um, on the husband to provide, and I have actually got experience of of the secrecy from the other side. Then is that he's hiding that his career is under pressure, and he's hiding that he didn't get the promotion, or he didn't get the bonus, or uh, or that you know what was actually happening with him. And um, that it can, it can be very, very detrimental to his mental well-being. And um, in, in a sense, that's almost a, a different form of abuse, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, yeah. And, you know, and I, I want, just want to come back to, you know, wh- what do we convey with our money and our expectations? So at the end of the day is if you're in a relationship, you know, we're talking about romantic love, but... Love is about, um, you know, in, in some, in, 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 its, in its purest form, there's an element of sacrifice in love. <laughs> it's, a, it's all, you know, it's, it's almost like I, I can't actually allow myself uh, to appreciate the money that I earn if my, if my wife or my husband isn't, isn't in the same position, you know. I I don't understand managers that work like that. Mm-hmm. And I see it very, very often now. And especially with younger people, is that they live completely separate marital, you know, ma- money lives. And, and even to the extent, um, which is why I wrote the blog, it, uh, it, it was, you know, to the, to the extent that the one partner will suffer financially and the other partner will have more than enough um, even in the current situation, and I, I just don't see how that's love. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, how can how can that be love? You know that that is extremely selfish. If one partner is suffering to the extent that you know their health isn't taken care of, um, I, I'm sorry, I don't see that that is love. 
You, do you, and I mean, I, I agree with you, but do you think people walk in often with, you know, they walk in with money baggage? And I was thinking, you know, maybe you are the abuser and you just don't know it because you're coming in with the behaviors that you saw your parents or whatever it was that, that and you don't realize that what you are showing and how you're showing up is actually very negative. So kind of, is there like a checklist that, that one can, listening to the podcast, someone can say, ooh, maybe I'm guilty of this. Like, what would you, what would you be like warning signs? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's very, very difficult, but it is, it is no different than any other aspect of your relationship. Um, in a sense that, um, you know, both parties need their values to be respected in the relationship. And that's often the key thing with money is that, you bring two completely separate people into this relationship and they have different values. Um, and, you know, sometimes what I've seen in the past is the person who values security and um, discipline and, uh, and um, those kind of have good, they got those kind of values and they're the one with the most power in the relationship for whatever reason. They're either the most assertive one or they have the most money and they are willing to withhold. But they get their way. <laughs> so, in other words, it's, you know, we're going to save every penny. There will be no spending on um, a beautiful couch or a nice holiday or, or the things that actually make what Yes, yep. the frivolous stuff, yes. Or the things that actually make life worthwhile, you know, like the experiences. Um, so I've seen I've seen that, right? And and that that is I guess if you think that maybe you're not doing the, the right thing or you're not being the one, you know, who you're the abusive one in the relationship, is like go and look at this who's the most assertive one in the relationship, who gets their way the most. Um, who's got the most power in the relationship. You know, if you have most of the money in the relationship, chances are that you have no, most of the power in the relationship. Um, and, you know, I know you, you and I have both in our relationships because we've known each other for such a long time, you know, with our, with our husbands, we've been on the side of the one who hasn't earned the most and the one who has earned the most. And so, and it's fluctuated. And I know from personal experiences that the one who earns the most money feels more, more powerful in the relationship. And I guess that's the thing is like, if you do that, you probably, and you, and you've never been on the other side, you probably don't realize that, that you do have most of the power in the relationship and you have never put yourself in the shoes of the other one who's on the other side and who actually um, is experiencing from a different, from a different side. Mm. You know, I, I was, I had a very diff, um, interesting experience once with um, a couple of clients here where I just asked the question about what, he was the, the breadwinner, the owner of the business, everything was determined, you know, dependent on him. And I just asked the question, I said, just what will happen if you died today and even just that question triggered right, something in him so what um does it does that mean to say that i haven't talked about this you know to the extent that i i haven't actually put myself in the shoes of my wife and that's actually you know, i think that's the point mm. yeah i think that's really powerful and i remember once getting a 
uh, reader wrote to me and he said, you know, I'm very upset. You know, my wife and I are having an argument because she wants new curtains. And I don't think we need new curtains. We need to be saving and invest. And she wants, to, she's upset because she wants to have a beautiful house. Da, da, da. And I said to him, for a woman, their home is really, really important. And having those curtains, if you can afford it, if you're putting it on credit, all the rest, it's very different. But understand where your wife is coming from. Because for a woman, we are homemakers and we want our homes to be beautiful. It's part of who we are and, and what we want. And, you know, he went and had that conversation with his wife and he came back and he said, thank you, we've decided to get the curtains. I think his wife should thank me. But I think that's it. It's just... Yes, he's right. Save, invest, prepare for the future, but also live for today and also understand what it is that resonates with, with, with the partner and, and what their yeah. needs are to, to, to be happy. Um, so I think those are very, and he's obviously was, you know, it was great that he, they actually had that conversation and, and were able to move, you know, to meet yeah. him, I think. And it is about saying, well, these are our goals. How do we reach them? And what, what are the, you know, what, how are we going to live today as well? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's partly, it's one of the things that we do when we work with couples is sometimes we will facilitate those conversations about values. And, and it's the, it's a, the difficulty is determining how much we spend today versus, um, you know, should we actually spend this money on this experience or this, um, furniture or renovating this house or whatever the case might be. Or should we, you know, save it for the future? And and that's obviously, you know, if if you're working with a financial planner, it's a lot of a, a lot of that can be discussed, and you mm. you can actually work out right. If we if we save this, yes, it will mean X, and if we don't save it, it will mean Y. And can we afford it? And can't we afford it? But at least it should be a discussion on the table, and mm. at least it's it, it you know if if it's at all uh, a possibility, um, it should be a discussion about today versus the future and and whose values are being met here. And what I wanted to also ask you, know, is that, you know, we've been talking a lot in this sort of couple environment because um, that's, you know, mostly where we see these issues. But it can also be with parents and children. Um where you can often have have parents who perhaps you know the adult children control them through money um or even siblings perhaps where one is you know looking after the others or whatever do you come across that at all i mean do you see those sort of relationships as well where money is is used to control children mm, yeah of course you, you know we we see that especially if they there's generational wealth um you definitely, yeah, you 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 definitely um, see that um, those uh, patterns happening as well, and even abuse, and and sometimes the other way around as well with children towards parents, especially when parents age and the kids get more involved, and uh, yeah, you you can also see very strange behaviour from children then, um, and I mean even siblings start start fighting before the parents have you know, even died, they're already fighting about the inheritance. Um, in families and families where there's um, generational wealth too, um, trust, in trust structures, uh, you, you see that behavior. Um, and once again, it's no different, you know, it's where people control other people through whatever behavior they, they think that they can control. 
And, and I guess that's where I want to bring it back to is we all need to understand what drives our money behavior. Um, what are the messages that we have picked up along the way that actually drive our behavior? And um, some of those messages in our adult life is not actually um, very healthy for us. And we need to let go of those messages. Um, and, and other messages we need to adopt in our lives that we need to bring in and, and, believe, you know, and build around very healthy belief systems in our lives. And unless we go in and we, we look at those belief systems consciously, we will always... Um, uh, live unconsciously, but it will still, those beliefs still determine how we actually um, react to other people and how, or, and, or how we try and control other people because it comes back to our um, beliefs and our identity um, around money specifically. And I think that's actually such a valuable exercise to do for yourself, but even as a couple to do and sit down and say, what are your money? And I think, so now you, because you wrote a book a couple of years ago, is it still, you, you covered that in your book. So maybe we can mention, where do you get your, is your book still available? Where you so the book is, the book is available um, from our website. So if you just, if you just um, actually send us a message, it's no longer on the, on the shelves um, because it's been a long time, you know, and I haven't, I haven't updated. It's actually exactly, you know, it was published 10 years ago. And the book was written for women specifically. It's called Manage Your Money, Live Your Dream. But a lot of that we unco- I uncovered, I, call, I covered in it. It's about uncovering your money beliefs. Um, it's just going back to your very first experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, a lot of our beliefs come out of our very, very first experiences of money. And, and having a look to see what is it that I believe about money. Um, because our behavior now as adults, it's, it's driven by that. And you often see people who are in a marriage and where there is a, is perhaps a power play, that if you go back and you look at your own way that you were raised, you were possibly raised in a power play as well. So, I mean, it's certainly something I've had to work on. I, I was raised in, you know, in very much that, that where money was used to control. Um, and I've had to really work on those aspects in my life to make sure that I, because I have such issues, like so sensitive about things and I, you know, I have to understand that my husband isn't, you know, I, I am so fiercely needing to be independent um, financially because of that, then, and I've got to, you know, I've had to navigate those spaces as well and, and with that understanding. Um, and, and I think it's important. It's important to recognize what, what you've grown up with and the baggage that you enter your marriage with, both as potentially as, as a victim. Are you allowing yourself to be a victim or are you the abuser and, and, and possibly the baggage you're bringing in um, that makes you the abuser? So I think very, very valuable. Um, so, Sunal, thanks. It's been wonderful chatting to you. But I would love to point people to your blog because every week, was it every week, you, you kind of, um, I, always, I always get them in my inbox and I always enjoy them. Uh, what is the website? It's Foundation SA or foundationsa.com yes so you can either search for Sunel's blog and that will probably you know come up but um but the website is www.foundationsa.com and you can then subscribe to the blog there and to all our newsletters wonderful thank you Sunel thanks